This is The Saucer Life, a podcast in which we examine concepts, events, or people orbiting the world of flying saucers. Few preconceptions, snark when justified, no belief, no debunking. In this episode, we look back at the earliest days of UFO Magazine, when it was called, I was going to say simply called, but no, it's more complex, when it was called California Magazine. Subtitle, A Forum on Extraterrestrial Theories and Phenomena. And I got this, uh, this first issue, Volume 1, Number 1 of California UFO, September, October 1986, from ufomag.com, the UFO Magazine website. They've got the first few issues up as downloadable PDFs for the very low cost of $250, something like that. Very, very affordable, wonderful deal. And the uh, link is in the show notes to, um, to grab that. Not that this is some sort of advertisement or anything. It's not. There was no commercial consideration provided. I'm just a fan of places putting old magazines up online. And I'm happy to pay some money for that because stuff costs money, you know? So this first issue is from September and October 1986. 1986. That was a long, long time ago. And um, I think we're going to see some differences between what was in UFO magazine in 1986 and what would be in UFO magazine in later years. I, I came to the magazine and um, – the late 90s. I, I think I found the first issue I ever purchased. It was 1998. Not that I wasn't interested in UFOs before that, but honestly, I didn't really live in places where I could get my hands on UFO magazine. Usually when I bought magazines that were related to UFOs earlier than that, it was usually Omni. I really liked Omni magazine. We should do a zine scene on Omni. That would be fun. Anyway, let's dive into California UFO. So on the cover, which you can see in the episode art in your podcast app or on the website or wherever else you see <laughs> podcast art, the cover is sort of beige, uh, a very light beige, and it has three classic flying saucers sort of stacked vertically. And they are various shades of teal, as is um, the highlight lettering and the headline lettering on the uh, the, the beige. Um, it very much looks like, uh, you know, they, they they paid for a certain sort of set of colors, number of colors on the uh, the, the printing, because printing used to be much more expensive than um, than it would later become. So the headlines are the following: the nine seven six UFOs hotline. 24-hour news on UFOs, Brazilian UFO cases examined, Brad Steiger's 18 UFO theories, 18, 18 UFO theories, Soviets release story about Salyut sightings, and Nikola Tesla, sorry, I guess Nikola Tesla symposium set. Well, that's 
that sounds very very sciencey. We've got UFO theories, 18 of them. We've got Brazilian UFO cases. We've got a Soviet story about um, some sightings. And we've got a symposium about famed scientist Nikola Tesla. When we open up the cover, what's the first thing we see? We see an ad from UFO Contact Newsline for the book UFO Contact from Planet Coldus, a cosmic dialogue. Remember that? We did uh, We did an episode about that. Um, yeah, so they, they're selling um, the first ad. The first thing you see is, is Contact E ads. And, and just for comparison, I'm grabbing what I think is the most recent issue of UFO Magazine that I ever owned, which is from August and September. 2005. Uh, the cover is uh, of some ice on, I think, Mars. And the big headline says, Ice, Ice, Maybe, which I hate. But the, um, the, the first ad we see in this 2005 UFO magazine is um, from HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature. So one person and pet at a time. Well, nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that, provided that uh, you engage in natural health care under the direction of qualified professionals. I think I prefer this first ad from 1986 better. I, I think it strikes a more UFO tone, even if it is pretty heavily on the contactee side. Continuing on, we have the first letter from the editor, and the ed- editor was Vicki Cooper, uh, who would be the longtime sort of person running UFO magazine as, as Vicki Cooper and then as Vicki Cooper Ecker. And she is joined by longtime collaborator who would be there for a long time, which is kind of redundant, uh, creative director Sherry Stark. One important UFO magazine figure is not present, and that is the um, – Director of Investigations, uh, Don Ecker. He is not on the scene yet, um, but he would be. He would be later. But in these early issues, it's uh, it, it's there's four people on staff: Vicky Cooper, Sherry Stark, Paul Shepard, uh, who's an editorial consultant, and Edwin Stock, the editorial assistant. And so we have a letter from Vicky Cooper explaining basically why the world needs a UFO magazine. Editing a UFO magazine is a calculated risk. I calculate that more people believe in UFOs than don't. I believe that you might be one of them, or one of them. I want to hear from all of you, no matter what part of the universe you call home. I also calculate that a good percentage of those who are interested in the subject see extraterrestrial benevolence as a metaphor for hope for the new age, deftly pirouetting between hard 21st century technology and utopian dreams. Quite a few spiritually oriented UFO buffs believe that the who out there is nothing more than our future selves come back to guide us over the hump. Evidence points to other agile players in the UFO game too. Clinicians and boogeymen, angels, devils, prophets, protectors, and priests. Choose your co-conspiratorial life form in this transition to Aquarian time and space. A strictly UFO-oriented publication also taps the mythic fantasies many people around this world continue to grasp, if only metaphysically as they coyly roam the Disneyland of our collective unconscious. Visions that whatever might be out there can conceivably enrich our lives and perhaps prevent imminent planetary catastrophe. Within the last few generations, within my generation, that predicted cataclysm has come to seem irrevocably final. Miraculous intervention, spiritual, extraterrestrial, or otherwise, recycles a favorite human dream of being saved, and just in the nick of time. 
that's not necessarily the dream UFO the magazine promotes. This magazine simply and simultaneously offers a playful slash serious forum about an entity variously garbed in its many delightful guises. An inexact, unproven entity. A red herring. Symbolic escape valve. Cosmic diversion. Game player par excellence. Collective archetype. Savior and friend. We view UFOs and ETs as unequivocally worthy newsmakers, bearing an irresistible pan-species invitation to re-envision life, but will cover and are truly open to other concepts. Whatever else they are, UFOs are fun and fascinating. The time has come for these wondrous, perplexing objects and their drivers to really have their day on their planet, and their say on the pages of this magazine. We intend to do our job with a lot of heart power, and always with you in mind. You ever come across a piece of writing that is fun and interesting and uses a, a great vocabulary, but clearly wasn't intended to be read out loud by any human at any time? That's what I feel that it was like recording that. Deftly pirouetting. I, there's some things I can't say very well, uh, including the word irrevocably. That Okay, yes, I just said it there. But anyway, so – the impression this letter from Vicki Cooper gives us is that this is going to be a magazine that is um, very broad in its approach. In my notes, in the margin, I wrote very woo, and uh, I, I don't mean that in a, 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 a derogatory way. Um, woo is more fun, much more fun than any video that uh, is named after a breath mint, for example, that we've seen lately, or – Chinese balloons or, or what have you. This is a magazine that's going to, to take a fairly far out approach to these things. So what more do we have as we dive in beyond that opening introduction? We've got some letters to the editor, which is always strange to me in the first issue. I assume they send out sample issues or preview copies and get some, get some responses. I think the most interesting one of these, these sort of preview letters comes from an Earl Blakesley Jr. of Farragut, Iowa. Dear Editor, I would very much like to share with everybody the moving experience I had with extraterrestrials and the wonderful six-pointed star that appeared on my hand after the encounter. I'm a screenwriter, and although several production companies are reading my material, I'm waiting for the big break. I never get discouraged because of the special guidance I feel every single day. At least, by reading about my experience, your readers may be able to feel closer to our universal friends. There's an editorial note that they will be running Blakesley's story in the contactee section of their next issue. Yes, there is a contactee section, or there's going to be, in the next issue. Next, we have the news section with the headline, Tesla Symposium to Benefit, comma, Rejuvenate Integratron. Yes, the Integratron, the multi-sided domed building where energies would flow through and and, and um, George Van Tassel uh, got the plans from Ashtar or something. I can't quite remember. It's been a long time since we did our uh, George Van Tassel Ashtar 
episode, but it's a three-day symposium exploring Nikola Tesla's advanced electromagnetic theories. It's being hosted by the Borderlands Sciences Research Foundation, who we've heard of before, and uh, we get a little rundown of the uh, the Integratron there in in Yucca Valley, and um, we learn a little bit about the device itself. Designed for cellular revitalization and anti-gravity research, the Integratron originated with the late California contactee George Van Tassel. Van Tassel had claimed that space beings were the source of technological instructions for the unit's initial construction. He died before the Integratron was completed. In the last several years, the project has been slowed by lack of funds and prolonged internal conflicts. Current sponsors approach it from both a mechanical and spiritual standpoint. Most of those involved feel that the correct application of Tesla's theories will hasten the Integratron's final completion. It's a big rejuvenation machine, Brown says, adding that some Tesla proponents found ways of mechanically driving cancers out of people's bodies, although other diseases took over when there wasn't a spiritual change as well. I would be much obliged if some listeners from out near that area or who are hooked up with Integratron stuff can let me know if that fundraising effort was at all successful. Also in the news, we have this headline. Resolution proposes open UFO landing. It starts off, a joint resolution directly addressing extraterrestrials has been drafted by an international triad of UFO research organizations. This sounds interesting. There's a UFO team from Cleveland, the Cleveland Ufology Project, and teams from Denmark and West Germany, as well as the New York-based Intercontinental UFO Galactic Spacecraft Research and Analytic Network, and they are calling for an open landing by Homo Cosmicus, which I suppose is the Cosmic Man. Um, I've never – Homo Cosmicus. I've, I like that. I like that as sort of a, a, a sort of sciencey name for space brothers and space sisters. The resolution also urges all the powers of outer space representing human intelligence of superior civilizations to give advance notice to the media of their arrival and to maintain a steady, open communication with the nations of Earth. Drafted on March 17th in Cleveland, Ohio, the document is based on what UFO activists claim is 16 years of failed governmental attempts to establish communication with ET, or galactic civilization. Along with the ICUFON, the International Get Acquainted Program Europe, Research and Contact Network, and the German International UFO Research Society participated. The Get Acquainted Program, the, the European Get Acquainted Program. These are Georgia Damsky people. It all makes sense. Well, it doesn't all make sense, but some of it makes a little more sense. Let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, there's a new local chairman of the National UFO Conference, and his name is William L. Moore. Yeah, we saw a couple weeks ago, or about a month ago, what became of Bill Moore. And then we get to one of the major stories. Its uh, headline is Paul Shepard 
bringing UFO news to the masses. And Paul Shepard's name came up earlier. Paul Shepard is the editorial consultant to UFO magazine. And you can always tell when when it is a, a small startup magazine, when you have major stories focused around members of of the staff. So th- this photo of Paul Shepard, he's a, a, a young guy. He's in a, a suit, a very sort of 80s looking pinstripe suit, which you, you can't be mad at because it's 1986. He's sitting in front of what looks like the original IBM PC, although it might be an XT, maybe an AT. I'm not sure. There is uh, behind him on an elevated shelf a copy of UFO Contact from Planet Coldus and a um, a giant ass dot matrix printer. So um, and and those little filing cabinets of a bunch of five and a quarter inch floppies. So what Paul Shepard is doing is running something called the UFO Contact Newsline. This is a a UFO news service that includes um, news, sightings, information, contact stories, and it involves somebody we've heard about before on this program, Bill Jenkins, who had the show Open Mind on KABC Radio. I think we covered, yeah, we we covered um, Open Mind on uh, on our Radio Days episode, I believe. And people in Southern California can call 976 UFOs and get daily updates about whatever the UFOs are doing. I don't know if any of you are of the right age to remember 976 numbers. Um, hearing about them as a kid on the news and things like that, I was under – well, not a kid. I would have been 11, 12. Yeah, that's – okay. Yeah, 12. That's a kid. Um, as a kid, I was always under the impression it was very much the what were referred to, at least in the Midwest, as dial-a-porn numbers. This was adult programming, sex chat lines, things like this. Those nine seven six numbers, and they charge like you know a thousand bucks a minute or something. Um, but I guess you could also call two one three nine seven six UFOs and. Um, get the latest UFO news. And they got funding from a uh, a celebrity source, um, a, a celebrity named Rusty Weaver. He's a mu- he was a musician whose father was actor Dennis Weaver. And Rusty um, produced the uh, daily segments for the UFO uh, news contact line and uh, appeared as the announcer or introduction guy before throwing to Bill Jenkins or somebody else for the the bulk of that day's report. Now, Dennis Weaver was a phenomenal actor with with an amazing career. He was the president of the Screen Actors Guild in uh, in, in the early 1970s. He was in Gunsmoke. He was in I'm just looking down the list here, uh, The Bridges at Toko Re, Seven Angry Men. Uh, Navy wife. That sounds a little 976-y. He was in an episode of The Twilight Zone. He was in something called The Great Man's Whiskers. Oh, it's about Abraham Lincoln. Um, Disaster at Silo 7. Um, he was he was the voice of Buck McCoy on um, an episode of The Simpsons. He was um, he's in Magnum P.I. for an episode. It A lot of stuff. 
His son, Rusty Weaver, is discussed in this Wikipedia article as being among his children, Rustin Weaver. There is no, I do not believe Rusty Weaver has his own Wikipedia page. He does not. Do, did you mean Rugby Weaver? No. No, I did not. So real-time real-time research here on the, uh, the the saucer life. Let's see what I can find out about Rusty Weaver. Should I have done this before? Yeah, maybe. Um, it's uh, it's 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 been a week. Um, Rusty Weaver uh, on IMDb. He was born in 1959. He was uh, on an episode of Magnum PI. He was also in an episode of Gentle Ben. Uh, he was. Is that it? Wow. Yeah, that he was known for Magnum PI 1980 and Gentle Ben. So this Magnum PI episode also starred his um his father um Robert Weaver and uh his or his brother Robert Weaver and his father Dennis Weaver and guest starred Susan Oliver who was in the original pilot um The Cage, uh, that pilot episode of Star Trek. Okay. So that's enough um enough Rusty Weaver. So I looked all around anywhere i could find to find more about paul shepherd more about this this ufo newsline and i could not find anything however this issue of ufo magazine did include a transcript of one of these calls you have reached the ufo contact newsline each day this line will bring you the latest late-breaking eyewitness contact news and inside stories concerning actual UFO and contact events reported nationwide and around the world. You'll hear them as they happen, so stay on the line for Bill Jenkins with today's report. Thank you, Dennis. This week we are featuring the ongoing contacts with people from the planet Omo. As this week progresses, you will know why they have landed here, what they look like, and about their dealings with governments of the world. But today, our entire report comes directly from the transcripts of the UMO investigation. These are the words of an UMO leader as he addresses all the people of planet Earth. Although this message was delivered a couple years ago, the significance of the extraterrestrial message has never been more timely. We quote, For 30 years we have studied your sciences, your culture, your history, and your civilizations. All this information we have carried from your Earth to UMO in our titanium crystals codified with data. We have demonstrated to you our culture and our technology in purely descriptive form so you cannot convert them or realize them practically. We have done this because we note with sadness that you employ your sciences primarily for war and the destruction of your own selves, which continues as your principal objective. You are like children playing with terrible and dangerous toys which will destroy you. We can do nothing. A cosmic law says that each world must make its own path to survive or to perish. You have chosen the second. You are destroying your planet, annihilating your species, and contaminating your atmosphere and your seas. Until now, this is irreversible. With sadness, we contemplate your insanity and understand that the remedy is only in yourselves. We cannot look forward a great distance into your future because your psyches are completely unpredictable and capricious bordering on paranoia. As your elder brothers in this cosmos, we urgently desire with all our hearts your salvation. Do not destroy your beautiful blue planet, a rare atmospheric world that floats so majestically in space, so full of life. It is your choice. Tomorrow, our special report will disclose how an UMO spacecraft halted a U.S. naval atomic test off the coast of California. Until then, Dennis?
If you'd like to receive transcripts of today's report and more information about this case and others, please call 213-656-3311. I'm trying to imagine how irritated I would have been if I would have paid, I don't know, three ninety nine a minute or whatever to hear a little bit of a mo. Now, the, 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 the phone dialing in aspect of it aside, I think it's interesting that what Paul Shepard is doing is, is in addition to providing this information to uh, to people for um you know the the phone service or through the phone service he's using his computer to catalog and organize citing reports and and working with various hotlines to get this information sort of collected and collated and sort of sort of organized which is which is neat although you can sort of see it as a we've got this new tool we can use this to you know easily you know, crack the UFO case, or at least understand it better. But really, is a stack of floppy disks any more likely to get you closer to the truth about the flying saucers than a metal filing cabinet? I'm not really sure. Let's take our midway break, and then we'll come back and explore more of UFO Magazine Volume One, Number One. Sorry, California UFO Magazine Volume One, Number One. If you like the saucer life, and and why wouldn't you? And you want more? You can support us in exchange for bonus content, various sorts of things. Um, this month, we are doing a Patreon AMA bonus episode. I made the saucer wife watch UFO cover up live for Valentine's Day. That was a hit. Um, yeah, lots of uh, lots of stuff up there, and uh, and you can do that by um, by going to Patreon.com/slash Chizomedia. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. You can also check out past episodes of the show uh, on your favorite podcast app, or you can go to SaucerLife.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at SaucerLife, and and you can email us at the saucer life at gmail.com or you can contact us by post with safe and legal things at chizo media p.o box 68 grand blank michigan 48480 okay let's look at uh, some listener feedback about dr peter beater um yes uh, uh, over on Patreon, uh, Donnie said, uh, wasn't Battle of the Harvest Moon an Ewok adventure TV film in the 80s? And it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Or one of those um, read-along books with all sorts of various you know, non-canonical Star Wars stories you'd get from the library if you are my age and have the little tape and you'd, it, you know, it would beep when you turn the page. There's always some sort of crazy Star Wars thing with those. Uh, Vincent very humorously chimes in, will the real Walter Mondale please stand up? Please stand up. Laura beat everybody else who had the same comment to the punch. And there were a lot of you who said something along the lines of what she did. uh, Laura says, did Dr. Beter take lessons on public speaking from Criswell? That's all I hear whenever he speaks for some reason. Yes. Um, Several of you mentioned the, uh, the, the, the Criswell sound that Dr. Beter's voice had um, with, uh, with somebody let me see if I can uh, if I can scroll down here and find it. Oh yeah, Tim on Twitter says uh, Doctor Beater's voice gave me serious the amazing Criswell vibes. I expected to hear him say, "Greetings, my friends. We're all interested in the future." For that, 
is where you and I are going to be spending the rest of our lives. Uh, Michael also on Twitter said every time he said my friends, I was expecting, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso, Greg Bishop's wonderful show. So a, a lot of people um, a lot of people sort of sort of got that Criswell vibe, which didn't occur to me at all until um, I saw Laura's comment initially. Um, Paul on Patreon says, I could totally see myself listening to Dr. Beter in the background while I work. Wonder if he had seen the Westworld sequel Future World, which has basically the same premise, premise as his organic robotoids. You definitely called it as sort of a diluted sci-fi version of the Manchurian Candidate premise. I had thought that Alternative 3 was the source of the secret space stuff, but looks like that idea went back, went further back to Dr. Beter or before. I think there are hints of it before with some of the Nazi UFO Operation High Jump Antarctica things, but the timeline is all, there's, there's a lot of stuff that sort of hits at the same time. Stewart um, says, Dr. Beter seems like the progenitor of many more famous and fleshed out conspiracy theories. I've certainly heard of the secret war between various people from other conspiracy theorists. It's a shame he doesn't get more credit, really. Also, I loved tapes as a kid. I could record songs from the radio and also phone up local radio stations and record my 15 minutes of fame, but they are dumb now. Yes, cassettes are dumb um, because it is 2023. Uh, Doc Pinko says he should be known for the fact that he has names that rhyme, if for nothing else. Yes, and, and several people pointed out my 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 incredible equanimity in not giggling when I would talk about Dr. Peter Beter. Uh, another uh, patron says, it's very interesting. Before I knew much about it, I had thought UFO communities were mostly crunchy New Age types. But the more I learn, the more they seem to tend toward the hard right. Then again, I guess QAnon has demonstrated that the difference between those is sometimes very narrow. You've covered people like this in the past, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on the dynamic as a whole. Yes, and actually, um, just this week on Twitter, that came up as well. Someone asked um, Greg Newkirk of Hellier fame um, what he thought about uh, about this topic, and he said there's you know there's, there's definitely some some overlap. Um, I I think I think one of the things that we tend to do sometimes is sometimes we we can be a little blind to conspiratorial thinking when the conspiracy theory is you know sort of angled toward our our per personal political views i know i sometimes catch myself um thinking well yeah this this makes a lot of sense oh well actually that doesn't but um but i want it to be true right because it it feeds my particular fears and uh, and needs and desires i think I think one of the things that um, that that can connect the right of center conspiracy world to UFOs is this um, the sort of very deep distrust of um, of government of experts of um, of in, in, entrenched 
bureaucracy uh, and that you know the ufo cover-up is managed by one of these entrenched bureaucracies and and this has been a a, a common conspiratorial trope as we heard with the the peter beater stuff i mean long before you know the, the the label deep state got applied to it it's it's too big of a topic to get into uh to get into here but um i i We'll probably get into it more at some point, but I, I will say that that one thing I, I found very interesting is is that the the world of conspiracy theory used to span much more of the political spectrum than it seems to in the last fifteen to twenty years, and I, I've got I've got notions about that, but um, I, I'm. It's it's too big to get into here, but but yes, um, there there certainly is that um, that connection, um, and, and also, no, not also. Um, yeah, we've got to get back to the magazine and to other comments, um, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot that could be said there. Um, also, over on the Patreon, Karen and Baird both remember reading. Um, None dare call it treason, and none dare call it conspiracy. Uh, nice to know that uh, that uh, there were others out there who, at a young age, were were reading those sorts of things. Um, and and until I, I read these articles that that are in books that mentioned none dare call it treason, I <laughs> kind of wondered if I'd imagined that book, um, if it was real or not. Um, over on the Saucer Life website. Um, uh, Flying Lemon commented, I like the idea that Peter Beater had to come up with human body doubles in order to make his conspiracies fit with Jimmy Carter's now legendary physical resiliency. Well, I don't know what you're talking about because he died of cancer back in the 70s. But no, I'm I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Jimmy Carter is a, a physical marvel. Um, JFE 1138 uh, asks, so has it been Jimmy Carter's organic robotoid double doing all that Habitat for Humanity work these last uh, decades? Interesting. Uh, James says, I don't know if you mentioned it on the podcast and I missed hearing it, but I looked Beater up and saw he was general counsel for the Export-Import Bank in the 60s and was appointed by JFK. Uh, so you could say this about him. His listeners probably had good reason to believe that he had excellent inside information, connections, and sources as he was an establishment insider himself. Yeah, I I glossed over the import-export stuff. I think I read it in the official bio. But yeah, his appointment by uh, by by Kennedy was, was sort of a, a patronage thing for um, some solid party work in West Virginia that uh, helped Kennedy – um, out in uh, in in that state, uh, Red Pill Junkie uh, says the epic battles between the communists and the Rockefellers, narrated by Beater, feel like some weird conspiranoid version of a kaiju movie. Am I supposed to be rooting for Godzilla or Mothra here? The answer is always Gamera. The the answer is always to root for Gamera. Uh, Lester says if all these people were being shot, how come no one shot Doctor Beater? Well, then everybody would know he was telling the truth. Um, Martin Kottmeyer uh, says, I uh, thought you might enjoy a little of the cultural backstory. Robotoid appeared earlier in science fiction, and uh, he has a link to an engram chart, the Google engram chart, that shows um, that, you know, where words appear in books. Robotoid appears in the February 9th, 1966 Lost in Space episode, War of the Robots. Um, it says the idea of replacing leaders with um, 
is had a high profile in the 1967 Bond parody Casino Royale. That clip has Dr. Noah, Woody Allen, bragging that he has already replaced several leaders with robot doubles, which leads to his lady abductee remarking, that explains a lot of things. Dr. Noah also invented a flying saucer, which is in some earlier scenes. Thus, this is an earlier intersection of saucers and doubles should you need justification for the saucer life taking on the topic of Beater's robotoids. I will say that when um, when I was in, in grade school and junior high, I was I was a huge James Bond fan. Me and my friend Andy were, were huge James Bond fans. We would we would hang out and and just watch the movies on Friday nights. Like like our his, his parents would take us. We'd rent like two or three James Bond movies and stay up watching these things as as like twelve and thirteen year olds. And I had found the vinyl of the Casino Royale soundtrack at um at a thrift store for a dime um by herb alpert and the tijuana brass dusty springfield is on it it's a great record Uh, and you know sort of coincidentally so sad to have lost herb alpert um this week as well but it it always confused me because i didn't know much about the complicated rights situation surrounding casino royale and so when andy and i first saw the casino royale movie with um with David Niven as Sir James Bond and Woody Allen as Dr. Noah, the bad guy, but who is also James Bond's nephew, Jimmy Bond. Um, I was completely confused and bewildered, and I appreciate it much more now than I did as someone who thought that, that good grief, this is even sillier than the Roger Moore movies. How can this possibly be? Okay, and that's probably a good place to end the comment section. Lots of great comments about uh, about the Peter Beater episode. If I didn't get to your comments, sorry, I did read them all, but um, I just had to uh, to trim some things down. So now let's get back to UFO. Sorry, California UFO magazine number one. <laughs> Next up, we have 18 theories on UFOs from Brad Steiger. Now, these do have extensive explanations with them, but I'm just going to run through them and let let you imagine what the definition of these things are because these are, are pretty interesting. There is a sort of introductory paragraph to this that is, I don't know, it, it just seems a bit much. In these final stages of the reality game, man is urged on by an endless stream of clues regarding his place in the cosmos. Perhaps getting through the foil of UFO will single out that one decisive clue. Players, get ready. Here, author Brad Steiger lays out some tenable leads to follow during this particularly intriguing phase of the game. Okay, here are the theories. Here we go. The extraterrestrial hypothesis, military secret hypothesis, secret society hypothesis, the hollow earth hypothesis, programmed deceit and delusion hypothesis, unknown terrestrial life hypothesis, astronauts from Atlantis hypothesis, time traveler hypothesis, other dimensions hypothesis, planetary poltergeist hypothesis, protein psychoid hypothesis, psychic need hypothesis, ufonauts as archetypes hypothesis, Extraterrestrial Trickster's Hypothesis, Magic Theater Hypothesis, Supernatural Hypothesis, The Overlord's Hypothesis, The Reality Game Hypothesis. 
And apparently, Steiger wrote a book called The Reality Game and How to Win It. So I think reality game hypothesis is just kind of something that is there in order to segue into plugging his new book. UFO might just as well stand for unprecedented financial opportunity. Thank you, Jen. Next, a recurring segment in these early issues, messages. What are they saying? And this is sound bites. <laughs> I love this. This is, I love this. I, I, I love this. This is sound bites from space people. There is no place in the new age for entities who individually or collectively continue in their pursuits of power and profit. And it's likely that incidents will become more and more dramatic until the peoples of Earth awaken from their slumber. Apollo, Atlantean Starfleet Commander, 1986. You know that when you join the Confederation, you will once again be in the brotherhood of your planetary neighbors and will be shown many modes of travel and life. They are numerous, and you will be in their availability as soon as your planet understands its shift in spiritual dimension. Commander Sutko, Saturn Council Command. Some of our people stay only long enough to complete special missions, but many have made the courageous decision to spend the rest of their lives here. Scientists, doctors, educators, artists, engineers, and ordinary citizens from these advanced planets live and work secretly among the people of Earth. Echo Leia, Venusian. The greatest need of your race, your civilization, and your society today is simple, basic understanding between man and fellow man, between nation and nation, and between all men and that greater power and intelligence that pervades and controls all nature. Understanding is the key to survival for your race. Allen, spacecraft native, 1950s. So that last one, I'm pretty sure that's Alan, not Alan, the way it was spelled. And that was um, the uh, Don Fry, Donald Fry um, contacts. Uh, Daniel Fry, not Donald. What's wrong with me? Daniel Fry contacts. But I, I did find it amusing that they listed him as spacecraft native, as though he just lives in his ship. Um, like it's a Winnebago trailer or something. And he's just sort of just sort of living in a, a flying saucer down by the river. So, so what else do we have in this issue? Well, there are a couple really good stories about cases in Brazil and in the Soviet Union, but um, actually those are better fodder for actual full episodes based on those cases. One of my favorite things in this magazine, however, is something you get in a magazine, not something you get in a book or in a documentary or something like that. It's basically the want ads. And one of the um, the, the sort of centerpiece of the want ads is, and I don't know how they got this many ads for their first issue. Um, I'm, I'm sure they they solicited this, but it's the contactee and networking opportunities. A lot of these are organizations looking for people of like-minded spiritual and ufological inclination for communication and well, networking, like the thing says. Outer Space International Research and Investigations Society, OSIRIS, the heart and brainchild of Raymond A. Keller II, publishes the Aerial Space Phenomena Review, a desktop newsletter filled with notes and news derived from many sources within the UFO scene. 
Through this and his other efforts on behalf of humanity, he hopes to promote world peace and prepare people's hearts and minds for the arrival of great intelligences from other star systems. Contact Raymond A. Keller II, Osiris, or Aerial Space Phenomena Review, 56 Good Blood Drive, Fort Devens, Massachusetts, 01433. My friends, I am 78.5% sure that this Raymond A. Keller II is, in fact, Cosmic Ray, my old nemesis from our episode about the mysterious Mitchell sisters. Cosmic Ray, we meet again. Who will who will rid me of this meddlesome contactee? Information Services, California UFO Magazine, puts its own uh, self in its uh, in its want ads, wanting uh, wanting some information. The UFO Contact Newsline is in there. There are also some other well known names who have placed ads. Institute for UFO Contactee Studies, along with Paranormal Research Organization and UFO Studies, sponsors the well-attended Rocky Mountain Conference on UFO Investigation. This annual congregation of contactees and investigators takes place at the University of Wyoming workplace of UFO researcher and hypnotist Dr. Leo Sprinkle. The purpose of IFUFOCS, says Sprinkle, is to research contactee phenomena and bring to light the nature of their experiences. Conference proceedings are available in booklet form. So Sprinkle, as you know, was one of the earliest hypnotists who worked with what I always thought were UFO abductees. And I think it's interesting that the word abductee might not have the use in late 1986 that it it later would. So I I found that very interesting. Bill Moore has an ad in here offering his publications and research uh, through the organization The Fair Witness Project Incorporated to those who might be interested. There's even an ad for the Amalgamated Flying Saucer Clubs of America. Yes, Gabe Green's outfit and Gabe Green is still running it. We also learned that he is now facilitating past life regressions, utilizing a technique that the aliens gave him, and he is, quote, known for advocating an egalitarian New Age ideology called universalism. He is very smart to rename it that and not throw around the very confusing term prior choice economics. That's uh, that's not going to sell. Prior choice economics, nobody cares. You call something, on the other hand universalism yeah yeah that uh that will fly there's a lot of interesting things here there's uh, an ad from a woman named Catherine Solong that says contactees are you having trouble integrating your experiences into your daily life ets in human form are you having trouble adjusting to life on earth an understanding listener and skilled therapist can help so Catherine Solong PhD is offering counseling and therapy for not just contactees but also aliens who are stuck here on earth and finally my my favorite ad of the whole thing Millennium Colonization Corporation engages in an imagineering exercise for futurists with a working knowledge of Mormonism. In keeping with the Mormon doctrine, Millennium colonists foresee and expect to build an autonomous interstellar community called New Jerusalem, which will link up with the original space-going city of Enoch. 
Applications are now being taken for like-minded interstellar colonists with their sights set on the Celestial Kingdom. Long-term property leases are available. And people are urged to contact Robert J. Spanville, the coordinator of Colonist Recruiting, Millennium Colonization Corporation, 60 West 57th Street, New York, New York, 10019. Maybe it, maybe I'm just being very sort of prejudiced and stereotypical. I was really expecting a Salt Lake City address with that. I don't know why. So kind of in summary, this first issue of, of California UFO Magazine, I got it right the first time, California UFO Magazine is much more, much, much more woo than I expected it to be. And I find it very interesting that the UFO reporting news contact hotline was not just selling contact ebooks like Contact from Planet Coldust. These were the contact ebooks that were edited by Wendell Stevens that were brought over from Europe and, and translated through and, and, and edited by Wendell Stevens. And on the last page, there's another ad from UFO Contact Newsline. They're presenting videos on VHS or beta, the Beamship Trilogy. That's right. Palladian Beamships. It's the Billy Meyer thing. So this Paul Shepard guy who's running UFO Contact Newsline, who is a production associate at UFO Magazine, is his company is pushing the Billy Meyer stuff in the United States. Sort of, I don't know if it was the main distributor, but in 1986 had to be one of the earliest distributors of this. I find that very interesting because um, we've not covered the Meyer material on this uh, on this show. You can throw that in your Google machine and find out all you want about it. But um, when I, I bought my first issue of UFO Magazine in the summer of 1998, I'm pretty sure that it didn't have Billy Meyer material. So the tone of UFO Magazine would change over time. And at first, I thought that might be due to a change in personnel. But Vicki Cooper was there for the whole run. Sherry Stark was there for a very long time. Don Ecker would come in. And if you've listened to any interview with Don Ecker, you know he's, he's much more hard-nosed than not. I would not expect Don Ecker to be a fan of, um, of, of Bill, Billy, Billy Meyer material. Um, but... I don't know if it's personnel that changed or if ufology changed because as we get into 1987 and 1988 and on subsequent episodes, we're going to be looking at more of these old UFO magazines. We're going to, we're going to see that ufology changes dramatically through these. We see ufology change through these issues and it's not maybe that there was an editorial decision. No, we are, we are not going to cover contactees as much. It's just that there was so much other stuff that came in. We're going to have the MJ-12 thing break huge. We're going to have the abduction phenomenon break huge with Whitley Strieber's communion coming out not very long after this. We're going to have more Roswell stuff. We're going to have John Lear and Bill Cooper and Bill English and that whole thing that happens that sort of you know turns ufology on its axis a little bit and, and kind of reorients it because – in late 1986 here, we are, we are still very much 
in the mode of, you know, there's contactee stuff and there's lights in the sky stuff and never the twain shall meet. But at this point forward, UFO magazine will change, but ufology changes as well. And as a magazine tracking the UFO phenomenon and those debates, that's going to be something that changes as well. Thank you for listening. Remember to send in your questions and comments via the usual social media or email channels, and we'll be addressing those next time. Our associate producer is Simpson J. Hanover III, and The Saucer Life is a production of Chizo Media, LLC. Chizo Media, our heart is with the people. Till next time, keep watching the magazine stands. Wait, those don't exist anymore. Keep watching the skies, because the skies are watching you.